Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 32, Culture Starts in the Kitchen, with Cammie McBride. Cammie is an author, herbalist, and educator. In this episode, we speak with Cammie about how she grew up in Northern California with a grandfather who taught her to fish and forage and love nature, about how she started studying with Rosemary Gladstar when she was only 22. We talk about bringing healthcare into the kitchen with herbs such as carminatives that help you digest, which is very important because the gut is the seat of health. We also get into plant communication and how she helps her students remember the inherent connection that we all have with the natural world and with plants, and how easy and natural communication actually is. We had a great talk, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. As usual, you can support us on Patreon or on Anchor. We have two new patrons, Daryl Fry and Kay Shell, so thank you to both of you. And as always... Sharing these episodes with your friends is another great way to support the podcast. Oh, and also, liking and reviewing on iTunes actually helps a lot. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. Okay, so today we have Cammie McBride on the Plant Cunning Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Cammie. Oh, I love what you guys are doing. Thank thank you. you. We love what you're doing. You're an author and herbalist and educator, and it seems like you've been a pretty much lifelong steward of the earth. Have you always been a plant person? You know, I was raised in just a very typical, like standard American diet, not really very aware of, you know, body illiterate. And, but my grandfather was, you know, raised as a forager. He, he's of uh, Scottish descent. And so besides eating TV dinners and Pop-Tarts and Captain Crunch, we grew up for fishing and foraging for wild mushrooms and growing a big garden. So I had this like really schizophrenic upbringing of mm-hmm. like just total junk food mm-hmm. and the garden, the gifts of the sea, the wild berries, the wild mushrooms, all the fruit. And so, you know, I hold both of those things within me, but that, that heritage of, um, of foraging with him and preparing wild foods is what really um, fed my soul and started to be the, the guiding of my life early on. Hmm. And where did you grow up? You said by the sea. So, um, well, we grew up in uh, California, Northern California. Mm-hmm. And so um, about an hour North of San Francisco. And so we spent a lot of time fishing in the Sierra Nevada mm-hmm. and fishing in the Pacific ocean. Oh, wow. that's awesome. That's so cool. It's a beautiful country. Oh yeah. The get, you know, the, the abundance of the earth is just, is so beautiful. And so just vast. Mm, Absolutely. So um, who are some of your, your teachers as you've studied plants and as you've um, developed as an herbalist, who are some of your influences? Yeah. Well, first was my grandfather and my, my for my great grandmother. Um, Mm. They were, you know, again, foragers. And then, um, you know, my grandfather in the in 1960s, he said, the problem with today's youth is they don't spend enough time in nature. 
<laughs> He's not wrong. Yeah, that was in the early 60s. And so he created a kids. He was the director of the um, Park and Recreation in Solano County, California. Wow. And he created like one of the very first kids nature camp. Cool. In the early 60s, he created this camp. And so I was part of that. And I the very first camp from the time I was like six years old until I was a teenager, I went every summer to every session. I was so Mm -hmm. in love with that land that we had summer camp on. Mm -hmm. And he was so smart because he would hire um, uh, students, botany students and biology students from UC Berkeley and UC Davis to come be the camp counselors because they didn't have jobs during the summer. And so it was so interesting that I would spend these summers with um, university students that were into botany and biology. And so I learned, so I went on these plant walks when I was seven and eight years old, nine years old, um, just very serendipitous, you know, but it's like, I remember everything those those herb walks are like a tunnel vision. Like I can go back and I can see, you know, how much do you remember of your life when you're seven, eight, nine years old. Right. Mm. But I go back to those herb walks, like tunnel vision. I remember, I remember being introduced to, to yellow doc. I remember being mm. introduced to St. Uh, to Cianothus. You know, I remember the, the, the moment I was introduced to these plants when I was young. And so the, again, I just kept like w- looking for that thread, like, where's that thread? where's that thread? And then finally, um, you know, I was in college at San Francisco State um, studying international relations and politics. And one of my friends, my close uh, high school friend said, Cammy, I found this place. You got to just come with me. I'm like, I'm busy. I'm in the middle of final. She's like, no, 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 no. You're coming with me. And she literally like hijacked me (laughs) and took me to the California school of herbal studies. And so by some grace of who knows what I landed with Rosemary Gladstar and Jane Bothwell at the California (laughs) school of herbal studies when I was like 20, 22 years old. And when I got there, it was like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and here were all these people they I could feel that they had the same love of the earth that my grandfather did except mm-hmm. they were speaking out loud about it uh-huh. they were professing their love for the earth they were you know and I was just like wow so I literally almost did not go back home my mom was like no <laughs> you are graduating from college you get back over there like they had to like they had to hijack me back <laughs> But the minute I got out of school, which was like six months later, I was back at the California Herbal School School of Herbal Studies. And like literally the first day with Rosemary, the first couple hours with Rosemary was I was more present, more alive and learned more than I had learned five years in college. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew I was in the right place. And my grandparent, my grandpa sat down and had a talk with me. He's like, well, we sent you to college. What are you doing with your life? You could be, you know, my dad was like, I got you a job with benefits. And, <laughs> and everybody was, you know, I had to, my dad didn't talk to me for six months. I mean, I, it wasn't like oh, it wow. is now, you yeah. know, it wasn't, this was in the early eighties. Herbalism was not on the, on the radar. Nobody even knew what it was. Mm. And there was no support. There was no information. There were three herb books in the library. That's it. 
Wow. Yeah. It was not when you went to, I mean, it was, I mean, now it's an option. I'm, I'm having young people come into my life going, I'm going to be a clinical herbalist and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, I had to like jump off a cliff, you know, but I had no choice. I was just, I, I, you know, I, I had no choice. And so that was it. I, I didn't listen to anybody. And I just did, I somehow I had the audacity to follow the calling in my heart yeah. and it, it, it was so strong. And so then I started the California school with um, Rosemary and uh, Jane Bothwell. And then I, um, and then I lived on um, <clears throat> um, Occidental Arts and Ecology. I, I, I realized that I had to become a gardener. And so I spent mm. Um, years learning how to herbal garden. And then I found my way to Michael Moore um, and graduated from his Southwest School of Botanical Medicine. And from there, Dr. Ladd was in Albuquerque where I was in. So then I found my way wow. to Ayurveda with Dr. Ladd and then Candace Canton. And I did, there's just a long line. And I'm just so grateful that those people of that generation picked it up so that, uh, you know, I could find the breadcrumbs. And so now I feel like, you know, I've been a little bit of a bridge between them and then this current generation that's really coming in so strong and, 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 you know, what's happening right now you know, within the next 10 years, 15, 20 years, it's going to completely transform our culture and our healthcare and how we perceive healthcare and what our home healthcare is like. And so it's a very, you know, it's, it's, it's a powerful um, time right now, what's happening, the, the onboarding of hundreds of thousands of people into the herbal world. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah. So I think that's, Yeah. yeah. I've been feeling that like energy of, of all this influx of people who are interested in herbs. And it's so cool to hear you say that as someone who's been in the field for like what, 30 years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, longer <laughs> really, than that. Or longer? Yeah. Longer than that. Yeah. Okay. I can't really do math, but, <laughs> but that's really cool. So, um, yeah, you've, you've seen it go through some changes and now you're one of the influencers and the people that, are helping, you know, up and coming herbalists really to find their, their feet in this world. So it's really cool. It also, yeah. it seems so necessary too, with the way that the industrialized healthcare system is, you know, it's not gonna, I mean, there's all oh, with the antibiotics, with everything, like we need, we're going to need to, to, to take healthcare into our own hands. Get back to way. our roots. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good that people are, you know, stepping up and doing it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, it's, uh, wherever you're at with, um, with the the journey that you're on, we don't have to wait for the plague to arrive in our neighborhood. Right. Right. (laughs) We're having herbal medicines in our kitchen and on hand. And it's, it really is, um, one thing that we do have control over is our lifestyle. It really is a big yeah. piece of building our terrain, building our immunity, reducing our susceptible. Those are the things we have so have control over, right? Yeah. And what's so beautiful about the herbs is they offer us so much in that world. I mean, now is the time to really shore up your immune reserves and what you have control over in your life. And, you know, we know we need to eat well, not stay up too late, blah, 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 blah. We've heard it all, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. There, and there is so much that's out of control. There's so much energy 
that's being run at chaos and fear and overwhelm, but you have control over what you eat, how you eat, how to support your body. And we've heard now, I mean, it's almost, it seems like it's somewhat common knowledge that 60 to 70% of our immunity originates in our digestive tract. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the main reasons why I wrote my book, The Herbal Kitchen, yeah. is that, um, you know, that has over 260 recipes, is that I'm all about inspiring the use of using herbs daily to support your digestion. You know, herbal medicine is a big wide world. There's a lot of, there's a plant, there's a lot of plants, there's a lot of medicine making techniques. There's so many ways to go. But for me, I just really decided to focus so much on um, helping people ramp up their herbal kitchen Mm. because, because it's, it's really, it's so powerful to know that you're eating antiviral herbs every day, every day at every meal. Yeah. Right. And these, these, these herbs are not only antiviral, um, you know, I mean, we've heard the saying prevention is the best medicine mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and especially when we're talking about a virus, it's like prevention, prevention really is the best medicine. And so the antiviral herbs that we can get into our food um, work on so many levels they're not just antiviral. They don't just attack an unwanted virus. They support other functions in the body that provide the substance for your immune system to function at its best, right? Yeah, yeah so how does how, do, how is gut health related to immune health? Can you expand upon that a little bit? Yeah. So again, we know that 70% of our, our, our gut flora, you know, it's, it's, it's so much that, that the immune system is in our gut. And when you, when you destroy your gut flora, you are, it's your immune system. And this isn't, you know, this isn't our, our susceptibility that we're experiencing. I mean, we know that, um, you know, people are getting sick right now that have pre-existing conditions. They're, they're the ones that some of them are, are getting sicker than others, mm-hmm. but this, the, the, our pre-existing conditions didn't just start today or yesterday. They are a result of this, this medicine that we have inherited to, you know, where we've just been hammered by the pharmaceutical companies to call your doctor, call your doctor, take your over-the-counter medication, take these uh, um, antibiotics, right? And I'm not against medicine. Sometimes you need medicine. Sometimes you need pharmaceuticals. I mean, I, they have helped me, they have helped my family, but it's not our go-to. And when we were really programmed to have antibiotics and over-the-counter medication be our Mm go-to, what all of that, that, that inheritance of that, that 50 years or longer of having that be our, the, the, the main conversation of where we go first has destroyed our gut. We are all walking around with inflammatory um, illness from, you know, because the, the antibiotics, the birth control pills, the ibuprofen disrupt your gut flora. And when you disrupt your gut flora, you create inflammation in the body and you disrupt the immune system. It's just really simple, actually. Yeah. And so we are, we, we are living with that, with that generational, um, you know, um, medicine, pharmaceutical medicine approach to our healthcare. And we really have to, you know, start to say, Hmm, that's for when we really need it. And our prevention is really steeped in something else. And our first go-to is not that. And that's what we're, that's what, why so many people are, you know, just really tired of like, you know, they know that that 
that over-the-counter med is not good for them. And they're looking for other, other ways to support their body and support the functions in their body. And so it's like building your gut health, which is, it's the home base for your immunity to build your gut strength. You always want to be building your gut strength so that even if you do catch something, you're set up with a healthy digestive tract to be able to give you the best fighting uh, chance. Right. Yeah. And so for me, I really go back to the kitchen herbs. They're, yeah. they're not, they're not only antiviral, they're full of vitamins and minerals, phytonutrients, so that you have the building blocks available for your system to use. Right. So what and are again, some examples of the kitchen herbs that you're speaking of? Yeah. Well, this is what I love about it is that anybody, most anybody that's listening right now can just open your spice rack. It's in your spice rack. I love um, to think of the spice rack as the relic of what we used to know, Mm. right? Right. We used to know those herbs and spices are in there. We all think that they're for flavor. We think that that cinnamon's for our cookies and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that, that, um, cloves for our pumpkin pie or whatever, but that's, that's not why they're there. They're there for flavor, but they're there because they help us to digest our food. That's why they're there. That's Mm -hmm. why that relic of apothecary is still, even if it's just somebody that's got black pepper and cinnamon, right? It's that, that is the, that is the, that is the apothecary that we all used to have. And so it's really those herbs and spices are there because they are the bridge to nutrition. Mm, yeah. That's our, it's an, it's a, it's in our heritage. Mm. Like it's, everyone has these spices in their, in their kitchen, at least some of them. And that's, it's always been the go-to before, you know, calling the doctor, herbs have been the go-to and mm-hmm. not just herbs at clinically, but as food mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. And I think it's really great that you wrote this book because it can, it gives um, so many people who don't even necessarily have that strong of a connection to the natural world or to plants, but do have these herbs in their kitchen and a way to access the benefits of these plants. Mm-hmm. It's a really great resource. Yeah, you're right. So that's um, when I, when I wrote the herbal kitchen, I was teaching at like four different junior colleges Mm -hmm. and um, I had, you know, people that were interested in herbs and they would come in and they would say, I don't know anything about herbs. And then we would start talking. They're like, oh my gosh, I have, I love basil. I love garlic. My grandma taught me how to use basil. And it turned out that they did know how to, they did know (laughs) a relationship with several herbs and spices, but they just didn't think of those herbs as medicinal. You know, they didn't think of basil or thyme as an oregano as medicinal. They just thought it were, they were culinary herbs that they learned from their mom or their grandma. And so that's where I was like, okay, this is where, this is the doorway in because you don't have to learn about a new herb. You can just know more about what you already know about and what you already know and love in your spice rack. It's such a beautiful, beautiful way into herbal medicine, right? You don't have to learn about all the newest, latest, whatever. And you can just be in love with basil, be in love with your (laughs) oregano and just go for it and just know, and just learn more about this. And, and to know that um, whether it be your rosemary, thyme, sage, or your cardamom, ginger, cinnamon, they all, all of those herbs help increase circulation. They help reduce inflammation they help bring down the oxidative stress in the body. 
And when you reduce the overall inflammation and stress in the body, the immune system is freed up to fight possibly whatever, you know, whatever it's trying to fight off. And so what it means is that learning herbal medicine, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. You can just start to engage in simple lifestyle tweaks that you enjoy and support already. Um, And so it's like, yeah, rosemary. Yeah. That's, it's just, it's right there in your cabinet. And it's just like you were saying, it's in our heritage and we just, it's literally, it's that spice rack is just waiting for you to remember. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It makes me a little sad that we have forgotten, <laughs> you know, as a society, like that we haven't had these things passed down as strongly. Like you, you had your grandparents um, to show you by example, but like you said, they didn't really talk about it as much until, you know, you, you met Rosemary Gladstar who, who really spoke about those um, experiences with nature, but it, it makes me a little sad. I'm not going to lie that we, have lost track. Well, it also makes me happy that we still have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, this is something, I mean, I've been teaching for over 30 years and this is something that always comes up when we get into this. People cry, people, you know, that there is a grief here. We've, many of us have experienced multiple layers of cultural disruption. You know, the ancestral food medicine stories in my family is like almost gone. You know, there's some like threads, right? Mm -hmm. But still most of our celebrations were guided by the media, the screens, you know, the whatever defining what they should be. And it's, it's, it is sad. I mean, I often think of like, what was it like for these grandmothers that had, you know, because when you have um, herbal knowledge, er herbalism is a generational art. As, as you've learning, you know, as you're learning, as you learn, you go, oh my God, I can't learn this in one lifetime because it's not just the medicine, it's your body, it's, it's the seasons. And so it's a generational art. It takes generations to really know what herb, what food, when. And so when you have these, these, these grandmothers and these grandfathers or whoever that had generational knowledge of what to eat, how to prepare it, when and just watching their children just throw it out the window. I mean, it, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it's, and it's still happening now in many parts of the world. It's painful, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to watch that happen, to watch yeah. all the teas and to just be cast to the wind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's so easy to overlook what is common and what is taken mm-hmm. for granted. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's good that people are starting to come back to that now, though, you know, and I think that's bodes well for a difficult future. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At least we'll have some resources to deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I feel like, like you said, it's, you know, the future and it's, you know, for me, I feel like building your skills um, nurturing your health, um, engaging in proactive care for yourself um, is what you can do to help process the fear. It's, it's, it's part of the antidote to the fear and chaos it, it yeah. is, is action, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. and Love you, that. whether it be getting in the soil, harvesting, celebrating the harvesting, eating well, um, activating your herbal spice rack. I mean, it is the antidote to the, the to the dizzying, um, you know, what's happening right now. And so again, the, I love going in through the spice rack and it's, um, right. And having uh, ready-made 
herbal kitchen cabinet things, you know, for your, (laughs) 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 it's like, I can hardly get it out, but just all all the condiments that can come from your herbal spice rack. uh, And so that you have that ready. And so that you have um, your kitchen stocked with um, things that you can use every day. And that's how we pass it on to our children is by having your herbal sprinkles, having your herbal vinegars, all these very simple things that you have at the ready so that you're not the only one doing it, that everyone around you. And one of the things that I I talk about a lot is, is to start asking the question is, do I have a carminative in this meal? Mm. And, um, and this is another one of the gateways into herbal medicine. I really feel for everybody is, just knowing that every day at every meal, you're supporting your gut. And like I was talking about earlier, the anti-inflammatory, the antioxidant, um, and the gut supporting action of all of these common kitchen herbs and spices is that they're carminatives and carminatives basically help you digest your food. And like I was saying earlier, they're the bridge to digestion. And when you support your digestion every day at every meal, Um, then it's like, you know, because we're, I don't know about you, but I was trained in big fix, like here, take this pill to take that, you know, take this to, to suppress that. And if you start supporting your digestion at every meal, those are the things that add up over time. I was going to ask you about dosage. Like, do you need like a heroic dose of fennel seed in your (laughs) sausage to really digest it? Or, you know, like like how much, how much herb sprinkle would you add to a meal? Okay. This is the beauty of herbal kitchen medicine is that dosage is not, you know, unless you're allergic to something, dosage is not an issue because you're going to be doing it every day at every meal. Hmm. That's why I say carminative at every, you look at your plate and you go, oh, wow, there's a lot of potatoes. There's a lot of sour cream. Like where's the carminative? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why black pepper is on every table because, oh. you know, in every lunch truck and every, you know, from fine dining to, to, to just wherever, because it is the ultimate carminative. It's going to help you digest whatever yeah. is there. Right. Yeah. And so when you start just, you know, getting a sense for every meal, like, oh, they're starting to be colds are starting to go around. Wow. Let's pull out the time. Let's put a little bit more time in Mm. everything. Right. Or, oh, there's been a little bit of a, you know, like earlier this winter, there was a little bit of a stomach thing going on, you know, and it was like, okay, I'm fennel, fennel powder is going in the rice Mm -hmm. and fennel powder where I'm putting some extra fennel powder in our, our soup stock. Right. And so you just start adding it to your food so that it's something that just every meal, you're always just tuning in and saying what. And so it's not like, you know, two pills, three times a day. It's, it's herbal kitchen memory medicine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that slow, slow and steady wins the race. You know, Mm, I think slow and steady. Yeah. (laughs) Like the things that we we make habits and just do over time, the the culminative effect of it is way more powerful than uh, one of those heroic doses or something. You know, it's like it really stuff that builds up over time is, is there in a way that um, the more, yeah. Yeah. It's like preventative rather than reactive, you know? Yeah. This is more powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. What you said, slow and steady, you know, wins the race. That's beautifully, beautifully said. And it's like, we can all try to go back and remember, you know, I, I'm, it's like, 
we we know that we like cinnamon in oatmeal. We know we like, but it's like, can we remember the therapeutics, right? So mm-hmm. for an example, like my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, they all made, you know, we're Irish, just they all made corned beef and cabbage, corned beef and cabbage every, you know. And my mom did not use spices like at all, but I'm telling you that mustard seed and that celery seed that like sat all year in the back of her cabinet <laughs> came out to make corned beef and cabbage. Cause that's what her grandmother did. She didn't uh-huh. know. She just was like, Oh, this is part of the recipe, but mm-hmm. no, her grandmother or her great grandmother, they, they remembered the therapeutics of why they use those spices with that. Absolutely. Right. And so another example, I have, I have a, a great uncle in my family. When I was little, he, they were of Russian descent and every year they would prepare a lamb and they would soak that they would uh, wrap that lamb in rosemary and it would sit out in the backyard wrapped in rosemary for a day. Mm-hmm. And so now all the kids, you know, the ones that are my age, they do that, but they don't remember the therapeutics of why they do that. Yeah. You know, the, the, the therapeutics of, of, if you don't put that rosemary or if you don't put that mustard seed, you're not going to be able to digest it. It's going to go bad. And so it's really about remembering the therapeutics and also just going back and seeing, then thinking for a moment, like, well, who was it that knew those therapeutics, right? Who, knew yeah. that the, who is it? Where did that line get broken? What, who cast it out? Like, did my Oh, my great, great grandmother. She, we got that recipe from her. I, I'm, I bet she knew the therapeutics, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also, seems to me that there can be a kind of knowledge that isn't conscious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can, you can have these things that, you know, by taste or by feel that you don't know. You can't like explain necessarily why you do it, but you know, to do it. I mean, I think sometimes, uh, these kind of things can be transmitted via that way. And then like later on, someone can be like, you know, this is why this ha- you do this, but yeah, by the way, Rosemary keeps the meat from going rotten, <laughs> helps you digest it, yeah. but it could also just be something that, you know, is, is taken for granted. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's again, we have, you know, it's in us, right. It's, it's in our line. It's in our family line. And we have this stuff in our cabinet and we, we really did forget, you know, we're the forgetters. And so we can, we can go back and very often there's, there's like, there's little bread, you know, I'm always helping my students look for the breadcrumbs, you know, go into what are those family, what are those family um, dishes that come out at the holidays? What's in them? Where are they from? Like try to trace um, what, what, you know, try again, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, always trying to find the, the trails, the threads, the breadcrumbs. And so, because our, you know, our herbal, our relationship is not just starting now it's in there. And we have, sometimes we have to do a little work to find, find the, find the breadcrumbs, but they're there for, for many of us. And so you just think of like, what are the therapeutics of this recipe and these herbs and spices in this Reddit recipe, hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned um, carminatives and I actually, I wanted to ask you um, about bitters. Are they different than carminatives? Yeah. Carminative bitters are bitter, (laughs) right? Uh And bitters help with digestion. Absolutely. Um, And, but bitters, uh, I don't eat bitters at every meal because for, for me, bitters are, um, 
you know, I will put bitter, you're, you're talking about bitter, bitter preparation, like a one step up, like a tonic or a tincture or something like that. You can um, add bitter food, you know, like dandelion and stuff, but bitters can also be drying. And so mm. some people, they get into like, I'm going to eat bitters every day to support my digestion. It's like, Hmm, it depends on your constitution. It depends on the time of year. Um, bitters can be really great if you're overeating or having eating a lot of fat, they, they really help. But again, um, bitters are not something that I do every day all year, but carminatives I do do every day all year. Um, but I don't do the same ones, you know, you switch them up. Right. Oh, yeah. And so it's like cilantro is a little bit more cooling. And so you do that more in the summer and then, and then the ginger and the, the clove and the pepper and stuff is more warming. And so you add more of those carminatives. And so you can really do seasonal carminatives. And one of the things I do, if, if you've heard me talk before, I say this, um, I put a lazy Susan on my table and I bring the carminatives out of the back 40 and I put them on the table <laughs> and let people play with them. And it's been, it's so simple, but it's been one of the most transformational little tricks that, that people just talk about like, oh yeah, if I just put that cardamom cinnamon or some paprika on the table, pretty soon the two-year-old's doing it, or mm -hmm. your five-year-old goes, oh yeah, well actually paprika doesn't go in oatmeal and they learn, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. they start going, Oh, I want to grate the nutmeg. And so now, oh. I mean, I have a 17 year old son and he was the other day. He goes to me, mom, I don't believe in Ayurveda. <laughs> 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 Just wants to revolt. You know what I mean? Wow. But when we're that lazy Susan, I mean, he's, he's putting all kinds of stuff <laughs> on his food, you know, because he's been doing it since he was a kid. And it's the way to get your family and other people to become literate about their spices is you get four or five of them and, or you make a blend and you put them on your table and then every, and then pretty soon your next door neighbor's like, well, I'm going to do that. That's cool. <laughs> and so that's how we teach herbal medicine around here. It's like, you put it, you put your, 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 you know, little powdered paprika or a little powdered cardamom and everybody puts it on their dairy or I love powdered coriander. I put coriander in almost everything. I, I for me, it just, I love that flavor. And so everybody's, yeah. everybody can like, you know, customize their meals. <laughs> and I mean, if you just think about it, it's so simple, but it's such a beautiful way in for families. Yeah. Because yeah. even, even students and clients that are like, I, they know herbal medicine and like, how are, how's their family going to learn, you know? Mm -hmm. And we'll end up in the same place where we know it, or, you know, it, but the, and the family's going to be like, Oh God, mom, you know, whatever <laughs> and rolling the eyes. And it's not just about us or as like a head of a household becoming herbal literate. It's about really fueling the river of knowledge in our home, you know, because the pharmaceutical campaigns are not going away. It's sad to say, but they are not going away. And unless we build this, this, this well of herbal knowledge in the home for everybody to access, we're susceptible. We're susceptible mm -hmm, yeah. to the very next campaign. And I've lived through a lot of pharmaceutical campaigns <laughs> and um, I've watched people go down and, you know, I lived through hormone replacement therapy. I watched all those women take hormone replacement therapy and then get breast can cancer and realize that, oh, it doesn't prevent heart disease. It causes it. You oh, know, I've yeah. been through all those campaigns, right. As a yeah. clinical herbalist and they're not stopping. And so unless 
And it, it doesn't help if I just know about it. It's like the young ones, everyone needs to know. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we're not building that well through our kitchen table, how is it going to change? And so we build culture begins in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. that's so good. You know, one of the things that AC tells me about uh, her <laughs> her uh, clients is that, you know, a, a lot of times they won't take, you know, you'll prescribe a a tincture for them or you'll, you know, suggest a tincture for them, but they won't take it every day. Right. (laughs) But with the, with the food that's you eat every day, you know, if you add a little bit of cinnamon or, Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, it really, that that's a way to get it in every day. And I think that's so wonderful. And that's really great that you wrote this book. Um, but do you think we could maybe talk a little bit, shift gears and talk a little bit about um, plant communication? Because we were looking up some of your videos and we were just really struck by these videos on plant communication. That's something that our audience is uh, really interested in, especially. Um, so what for you, what is plant communication? How long have you been communicating with plants? that yeah i'd love to talk about that and yeah you've been probably watching over at my youtube youtube channel or something i have a lot of plant communication and you know the thing is is that we what i found is that most of us have been receiving communication from the earth since we were little it's just Mm -hmm. that it wasn't caught or captured or reflected um and so then that nerve ending that you know that gets paired off that ability and that you know you 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 get a major download from the butterflies when you're three years old and and nobody around you notices it but if you say your abcs they're all like oh my god yay 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 and so you that's what you start focusing on right because that's what's reflected by the culture and so part of our work is to start really reflecting back to the two-year-olds when they are in total awe of the earth right and you know for me the biggest thing is is it's like we, we all, you know, there's, like we said, where there's so much interest in the herbs, right? But the thing is, is that now we're bringing in all our elderberries. We're having to do recon to find more elderberries to bring, you know, there's, there's some problems. There's some environmental problem. You know, we, we are a culture of extraction, production, consumption, and throwaway, right? Yes. Yeah. That's our model. And it can, it's that, that doesn't, it still can happen with the herbs and it's time for something oh, yeah. different. And we have to make that leap between our head and our heart and be guided by the earth's right to exist, persist and regenerate. And so how do we move forward? How do we put the earth first? How do we put the water first? And that is our task. And that, that task is about how do we get back into our heart to be able to really, you know, not just be like, well, we got to take care of the earth. How do we, how do we, how do we take care of, of the earth? and, and um, know that and come from that place from the center. And so, you know, it's like, it's, we're, we're still dealing with like, we're crazy if we talk to the earth and we, so first of all, we have to work through all the crazy pictures of how do you really feel when you're talking out loud to the earth? I mean, no, really, what's the shame? What's the, what have you been? I mean, I have thousands of students, you know, I've worked with thousands of students. I know 
you know, what they're, what people are called, you know, the, 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 the cuckoo, the woo woo, the hippie, that crazy, like all, there's nothing cuckoo or hippie or crazy about it at all. It's, it's just that, um, you know, because a couple hundred years ago, not being able to perceive, uh, information from the plant world, you didn't survive. Right. Right. Yeah. And so we, so I, it's like, there's a lot of different ways. And I have a course called plant wisdom where we work with all the different doors that you can open. But one of the things is, um, you know, so just to give a really simple tip here is, is, you know, you just, we start by like, can you just begin really asking the earth for guidance and speaking out loud? Like, can you begin to just start asking and speaking out loud to the plants? Mm-hmm. right? Like, hi, how you doing? You're so beautiful. Oh, I noticed that this happened. I noticed that that happened. And, um, and to just see how you feel, what comes up, what other people say, and then just start to work through that culturally. So mm-hmm. that's one simple task tip. And then the other simple tip is to start to really um, own in our daily conversations, what we receive from the earth right? We take it for granted. Oh my gosh, that bath was so healing. The rain was so healing. Wow. That breath of fresh air. Oh my gosh, the sunshine that I received today. Oh, we went on a picnic to the beach. We didn't just go on a picnic to the beach. We went, we pilgrimage to the beach for healing. And if we can bring the healing gifts that we receive every day from the earth back into like our dinner conversation or and to just become more and more aware of it. So when we have, um, before we eat, we say what we're grateful for that we receive for free, Mm. (laughs) you know, like it's constant what we get for, we don't have to give anything. And what do we receive? The breath, the sunshine, and to just become so much more aware of what we, what is just given to us. Yeah. And then we do the same thing on the full moon. We have a little full moon fire and we just talk about what was given to us. I mean, it's great when you manifest something, but what is given to us every day, you know, and you, and so you start to change this mindset, right? And then you can start doing deeper things like asking for messages, asking for information. But first we have to break, kind of break through the, the, like what I call cultural barbed wire, that it's weird, that it's like all these names that we get called. It's like, no. And so the way we do that is to break through it, to start speaking out loud, um, to, to bring it into our conscious conversation, what the earth gives us. Right. So those are some really simple ways into the plant communication, um, so that you can start to open the pathway that, oh yeah. Um, and then you can start asking questions like dear mother earth, how can I thank you? How can I make an offering? How do we say thank you? And then it's not like there's one doorway in is for everybody to find out what's real for them. You know, there, there are some teachers that teach, this is how you offer. This is what you offer, but how is it for you from your heart that you say, thank you to the earth. Mm. And so plant communication is so much about opening to the awareness of how much we, we receive and then asking what's, what's, what's my gift? What's my way to reciprocate? Mm-hmm. How is it that, what can I do? Yeah. So it can be kind of alarming for people when they're starting out, when the plants actually talk back to them. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners a little bit about the ways in which, you know, people do receive messages from nature. Okay. So one of the thing is, is it's, um, it's not so much, um, 
teaching. It's about reawakening because we are all deeply wired for this. Like that's the first thing is to realize that we are deeply wired to perceive the community, to perceive, perceive information from the earth. And so it's really about going and, and, and understanding that it doesn't just start now that, that actually every person has a lineage, whether you go back and you explore your ancestral lineage, but that's a little bit more work or you, you look at like, where did I start? How, so I, what I do is I take people back until to um, when they were a child and, and have people remember their first experiences, you know, and I mean, people come out, you know, I just do simple meditations where the first time you felt awe, the first time you felt connected. And a lot of those memories are still deeply buried. And in those memories, you remember either like you were talking about, you know, is it an image? Was it a sense? Was it a feeling? Was it a smell? Was it, a, you know, how did you experience as a child? And that often brings, um, provides like keys to how you perceive now, you know, and it's not really something for me that I, um, it's like you, it's really about each person, person awakening and opening that door for how, because, you know, we are sensory beings. We are, we don't just have five senses. We have a lot more senses and we're covered with neurons and sensory perception sites and chakras. And so every person really has a unique way of perception, Mm -hmm. right? It's like a singer, right? We all have voice. We don't all the sound the same because our voice comes through our head and our head has all these bones and shapes. And so it, 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 it flows Mm -hmm. through this unique place and comes out with this. Well, it's the same thing. The information, the, the contact comes through our sensory being, our body, and then manifests in a unique way. Everybody is different. And so it's like, we all perceive some people, it's like, a, a, a tw- some people get information through twitches, <laughs> Some people, <laughs> you know, I'm not kidding. They start twitching and then, or their eyes start dimming. I mean, I, the, the, um, the, the, the doorways end are in our end is an endless universe. And it's really about accessing and activating what it is in you, how you perceive. And so the way I work with that is I take people back to like, you know, I'm like, again, you're, this isn't something that's just starting now. This is something you have been, you know, you are in communication, whether you're aware of it or not. And so we go back to a time when I take people, you know, we start at the beginning where you didn't have all the cultural, you know, BS saying that it didn't exist. And so you start to have memories of your, how you perceived as a child. And then that gives you clues for how you perceive now. So speaking of how you were as a child, if um, some of our listeners are like raising children right now, how, how would you recommend that they um, encourage their kids to connect with nature and plants and be building these pathways in their brains rather than focusing on the ABCs? <laughs> right. They get the ABCs and you're like, whoa, everybody claps, right? You take your first step. I remember when my son took his first step, he was in a room and everybody clapped in the room. And he looked around and went, whoa, yeah. I'm going to do more of that, whatever that is, you know? Cool. Right. But all the other spiritual, like, you know, all the other stuff, like nobody caught it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, okay, so 
they're really, we don't have to encourage them. They are already in communication They're there. Yeah. And it's just about catching it uh-huh. and meeting it. So the first thing you do is, is you, you, you catch it and you get on their level and you match their energy. Hmm. Cool. You match it. You go, Oh yeah. So, okay. I have a story. We, cool. we have a family that we, we, we do holidays with like, you know, Easter, Thanksgiving. And um, one of their children was, I, she was about three or four and we were all in the kitchen. I was, you know, I'm the pie person. And my, you know, if the one person was doing, you know what it's like Thanksgiving yeah. dinner, right? Yeah. Somebody's doing the potatoes and all that. And so all the adults are really busy in the kitchen, making it all happen for all the kids and everything. Right. And so in she comes and she's got this little green worm, that's like <laughs> a half an inch long on a stick, crawling on a stick. Cool. And she comes in the kitchen, like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Look at that. And she goes to one adult and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, luckily she just wasn't going to put up with that BS. And she took it to the next adult and she's like, look, 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 look. And then that adult was like, oh, I'm busy. And then she took it to me and I'm like, oh, I'm rolling out the pies. I'm busy. And then I went, oh (laughs) yeah, wait a minute. Isn't this what we all are trying? The reason why we're even cooking this dinner Uh. is to, is to help our children. And then I went, oh yeah, duh. And I stopped what I was doing. I crouched on my knees and I got at eye level with her and I matched her energy. Mm, I received her. I went and I got at the same level of like, I could feel it now. I even went down, it went down into my heart and I just matched her energy 100%. I met her and she, and we were just like in this, you know, universe of ecstasy <laughs> Love it. over this lime green little worm you know I don't even know what it was <laughs> and, and it was just but it was it was ecstatic hmm. and and so then so then we just rode in that and then I asked a question like well who do you think this is? Where do you think they're going? And then it opened up another universe and so that we just have to take the time to meet them and validate that it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story. <laughs> That's I think good. it's great advice. Yeah. And it's great practice for adults too, <laughs> all stuck in their, in their serious business. <laughs> great, right. <laughs> right. Don't we need to just get down on our knees a little bit more and, and <laughs> yeah. Worship look at the more. veins on the back of the leaf and, yeah. you know, yeah. Just breathe in the ecstasy of the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adults need a lot of help, you know, getting from the head to the heart <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. That reminds me of just the other day, I was looking at this little pond and I saw these little, little bugs in the pond. And that brought me back to when I was like eight and I was, I, I like got a jar full of pond water and I saw all of these, what like microscopic animals and mm. it was like this glorious experience back then yeah. and it really just like you know bring that back to me now it, it was it was amazing mm. but it, it you know you just it, it you forget about it mm-hmm. <laughs> and the it's wonder sad, yeah, yeah. The, that wonder I think it's yeah, really that's the way in the way in is through the wonder right and who yeah. who reflects that for you and who holds that for you because again you know we're a culture of production Mm-hmm. Right. 
And, and if we're raised on production and production is the bottom line, then that's who we become. And so what else is important, right? And can we anchor, can we go back and anchor what it felt for us like before everybody was indifferent to it, you know? And if we can anchor those memories from when we were a child or even just maybe not even have to anchor your own memories, but just if you're around or a two or three-year-old, like they can take you back in. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so for um, adults who are, you know, maybe getting messages from plants, how do you recommend that they um, develop trust in these messages that they're getting and that, you know, they might think they might be in their head still, they might think that it's just their own imagination. Right. So again, the, the way that you develop trust is by knowing how you perceive Hmm. And so if you, if you, if you think that it's just starting right now, it's like, oh, well, do I trust it? Or do I not? Do I not? Um, but I, so I'm in the, I'm facilitating a plant wisdom session right now. And when a message comes through from when you were a child, or it's, it's so clear, like how, what is true is so clear in your body and how you perceive hmm. that you bring that trust forward to present time. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's really important to realize that your, your, your plant communication is not just starting right now in your, and then it like not making that, um, not recognizing the continuum is what has you not trust when you can access that continuum of how you perceive that's when you start to really trust. That makes sense. You know, and if you're not trusting it, then it's like something, then, then it's like, we need to go deeper. We need to go deeper into how your body, your sensory process, um, what your sensory process experiences and how you, um, how you, how you perceive and, and, and also any message that comes through is not an end all message. It's something to be in dialogue with. Mm. Yeah. Yeah to just pay attention. Um, yeah, that's cool. Well, I think this is, has been really great advice. Um, especially, I mean, like all of this cultural programming and conditioning that we have, um, sometimes can get overwhelming and drown out that, that connection, Mm -hmm. but just doing it is, is such great advice. Like just Mm -hmm. talk to the plants and make it part of your everyday life. That's what I really like about, about what you're doing is like encouraging people to make all of these things part of their everyday life. So it's like, it's, it's there, Yeah, you know, with the kitchen, with the kitchen herbalism, with Mm -hmm. the plant communication, with everything you get, you like making it accessible. Yeah. So, um, we are almost out of time here. Do you think you could tell our listeners a little bit about um, your books and where they can get them in your courses and and how they can uh, enroll if they desire? Yeah, I'm over at cammymcbride.com and you can that it's all happening over there. <laughs> <laughs> you can go to cammymcbride.com and the best thing is just to, to sign up for my newsletter and then you get all the I mean, I'm just, you know, I just can't stop myself with all this. <laughs> 
I'm like, awesome. oh, my book's got 250 recipes. There's more. I'm just always, you know, the garden is just never ending inspiration, right? It's like, yeah. oh, here's a new recipe. And so there's lots of, I'm always doing free tutorials and recipes. And my, my the mission of what I do is that we um, really create and evolve our culture into one that honors the earth and mm. that we activate a lifestyle that supports the next generation to do the same. And that is, you know, culture, again, culture begins in the kitchen mm. and what we do in the kitchen creates culture and no. the earth's harvest, it shapes who we are and what we love. Mm. Yeah. I really resonate with that. And I think a lot of our listeners will too. So thank you so much again, Cami, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And I just want to give, I just want to say to you, thank you for bringing everybody together. And I know that it's not, you know, it's a lot of hard work what you're doing. And mm-hmm. um, I just want to thank you for, for your contribution and how you're inspiring and reaching people to make this oh. very important change. Oh, thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks, Cammie. Yeah. <laughs> you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're great. Thank you again. And hopefully we'll chat soon. Okay. See you in the garden. See you in the garden. (laughs) Bye.